Welcome to Get Your Book Done. I'm your host, Christine Closer, a Wall Street Journal and USA Today bestselling author, award-winning publisher, and book writing coach to thousands. I love helping aspiring nonfiction authors write, publish, and promote their best books because there's nothing more powerful than writing a book to transform your life, your readers' lives, your business, and ultimately the world with your message. So let's get started. Welcome to today's episode. I've got a really great show for you today. My guest is Derek Depker, who is a former aspiring rock star turned seven-time number one best-selling author. So we're getting for a real treat today. The other amazing thing to know about Derek is that he has sold over 75,000 books and now he really likes to share that process with people like you to help you turn your knowledge into a best-selling book as well. And specifically today, I'm going to be grilling Derek a little bit on creative ways to make money with your book because many of you are not just writing a book to spend money because it can be an investment if you're not traditionally publishing. A lot of you want to learn how to make money with your book. So that's why I brought Derek to you. I'm sure we're in for a great time. So welcome, Derek. I'm so excited that you're here today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Christine. Would you be willing to start just by sharing, like, how did this whole concept of wanting to become an author come to you? Like, did you know since you were a kid that you wanted to be an author? Was there just a moment that it hit? Like, how did you come to writing your first book and stepping onto this author journey and now author expert journey as well? Definitely did not know as a kid I'd become an author. And I guess if you go back 10 years ago and said that I'd be an author, I would be like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. My, my whole path in life was laid out. I'm going to become a, a rock guitar player. So once I got into playing guitar at, at the age of, I was 12 years old, within a few years, I'm like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. So I went and got a degree in music from Belmont University in Nashville, Tennessee, and was playing music in Nashville. So I had no, uh, well, relevant for, I'm sure, uh, many listeners here. Not only was I not interested in authorship, the whole business side of things like marketing and sales, that was the last thing I wanted to do as a creative. So even when I was a guitar player, there's the music business school at Belmont. I'm like, I don't know why people want to do the business <laughs> stuff. I'm, I'm the creative, right? I want to just express myself and make music. And I bring that up because it's funny, you know, working with a lot of authors now, I see a similar pattern. It's like, I don't want to do the marketing. I just want to write. I just want to share my message. I want to help people or whatever. So this will all connect together. But basically, once I moved out to Los Angeles, I was broke, sleeping on an air mattress for a couple of years, working as a valet parker, also took a part-time job delivering hot wings. And it was also at this time that I'd just gotten into a lot of personal development. So in the personal development world, the Jim Rohn and Jack Canfield and success principles and this whole thing, it also was intermixed with the world of entrepreneurship. And I think a influence at that time was Brendan Burchard, Millionaire Messenger. And I just got from numerous sources this idea, like if you have knowledge to share, you can turn that into a business. Well, in addition to music, I had a passion for health and fitness, as well as all this personal development that I was reading. So I thought, okay, well, I love constantly getting asked by friends and people for fitness advice, diet advice, exercise. I love reading about it, talking about it. So I thought, okay, if I could turn that into a business, then I might not be broke. I could pay my bills and then I could do what I love, which is continuing with the health and fitness stuff, but also playing music. I'll make a, a 
somewhat long story short, a couple year journey of that, I launched my first course and book. It was like this 350 page monstrosity of a book and I could barely sell it to my own friends and family. And, you know, created this 18 hour video training course. And over this time I go, okay, I really need to figure out this marketing thing. How do you sell products? How do you get the word out there about what you do, especially when there's so much competition from other people? And I ended up publishing, what got me into Kindle publishing was a package that came in the mail, which was a Kindle e-reader that I had won for posting something on a, on a blog, like chosen at random. Or I happen to believe that probably wasn't such a random choosing because that package at that door, and we all have these moments where something happens somewhat unexpected, but it helps shift the trajectory of our life. So I have a feeling that maybe it looked random, but somewhat in divine order that that Kindle device showed up at your door that day, Derek. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. And uh, it's funny, you know, hundreds of people commented. It was, they were doing like a survey thing, just post your feedback and we'll pick someone at random. Like, oh, okay. I'm, I won the Kindle. It's one of those weird things too, where it's like, I kind of had a feeling I'd win, even though a lot, like the odds were stacked against me. So anyway, I get the Kindle and I'm going, okay something about this Kindle thing. So I published uh, the book that I had written. It was just a PDF that I was trying to sell on my own, published as a Kindle book. First book I published probably sold about three copies in the first month. And one of the copies was to my mom. <laughs> so I wasn't going to make a business out of that. But I will say this for anyone you know, listening and, and you're maybe getting into your first, if you haven't published your first book yet, something looking back that I realized was really good about that process was even though I kind of positioned the first book, oh, it didn't really sell, actually went into it with an attitude that I think would help a lot of uh, first-time authors. And that is, you know, I'm just getting my feet wet with this process. Like, let me just kind of see how it goes and get comfortable with it. And when I did that, I go, okay, it didn't sell, but you know what? I didn't put that much effort into the marketing. I just go, I kind of see how it works. Now let me write a new book from scratch and really focus in on making this one like a, a bestseller and do a proper launch and all of that sort of stuff. So I did that. I launched my second book. And this time I made about 70 bucks in the month during the launch, but it took me months to write it. Plus, I don't know how much I even invested in, in trying to put it together. So I go, okay, that's cool. Like I'm selling to strangers now. And I got some reviews from people saying the book helped them. So from a, a personal fulfillment standpoint, it was nice, but it was also a bit like, well, that's not, I can't make a living off of that. I can't, I'm not making money. That's not going to get you off that air mattress. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So normally I probably would have quit at that point and gone, okay, onto the next shiny object. But I went to a seminar and something kept me going down this path where I finally learned a lot at that seminar about influence and relationships. And I got inspired. I wrote my third book. I put it together in just like a week. And granted, this was because I had done a couple of years worth of creating content and blogging and a lot of other stuff before. I put it together in a week, launched it. Within three weeks of having nothing, I then had a number one best-selling book on Amazon in weight loss, paid book, generated almost $6,000 in royalties in 11 days. And I remember I'm, I'm logging in, I'm on vacation with my family. Uh, it was about Christmas time. And I log in every day. I'm logging out like hundreds of sales who come in. I keep in mind at this point, maybe I've sold like a, a product here and there online, but like for the first time, real money is coming in. I'm actually making sales. It was this surreal moment of, I can't believe this is actually happening mixed with, of course, this is happening. This is what I've been working towards for years. You know, it's finally paying off. 
And I, I had the intention. I knew once I figure this out, I am going to teach others because I went through a lot of courses, a lot of books, a lot of training things that I, I got pieces here and there. And it really took a lot of trial and error to put together uh, the process of how to launch a best-selling book and then have since then, you know, done it consistently with seven best-selling books. Because once you know the process, it's repeatable and do it in different genres. And that's what I've been doing ever since is writing books and helping other authors. Awesome. Which leads me to the question that I suspect many of our listeners are like, Christine, just ask him this question. Ask him this question right now. Ask it. So I'm going to ask it. And I, we probably can't cover everything in the time we have here today, but how did you do that? I can just hear everyone being like, ask him how he did that. Can you just give a couple of tips just to help our readers begin to understand like what were a couple of things that you put in place that helped you do that? Because I'm sure that anyone listening right now would be thrilled to make in six grand, you know, a month off the launch of their book by actually just selling copies. Yeah. And um, that's a quick note on that part of the whole, how do you make money with your books? There's a lot of stuff out there saying like, oh, well, you don't really make money with a book. A book's not a moneymaker. And I, I get that. And I would, I would agree up to a certain point, but I've also, you know, made, I don't know, tens of thousands over a hundred thousand something dollars over the past number of years with, with different books. So certainly possible to make money with books. Although I'll also say you get a lot more leverage with some other things that we'll, we'll talk about. So when it came to that book launch, I can give a few practical things and I can give a few high level principle things. Fabulous. Yeah. The practical things tend to be the sexiest. It's like, Oh, what'd you do? What were like the keyword secrets? And it's like, that's, it's actually a relatively smaller part, but uh, one thing that I did I use, well, first of all, basic stuff, use book promotion sites. So I invested in advertising. You know, there were a number of sites back then. There's even more sites now for promoting a free book, promoting discount books and stuff. So I did a free launch and then it went to paid. And uh, it worked better back in 2012. There's still plenty of things that work now in 2019 going into 2020. It's a little bit different. The dynamics have shifted. However, I used paid advertising to get a lot of momentum for it. The other thing I did, and this still works today, is I leveraged influencers. And influencers are bloggers, other authors, people like that. And so I built relationships with people, people that I've been building relationships with for months. So even though it was a relatively quick launch, the kind of behind the scene things is, and this is just the kind of doing the work aspect is I had been cultivating relationships with various people in the fitness space and people like that who, when my book came out, they were sharing the book with their audience. And I don't know, I'll give a few shortcuts to building these relationships, but there's real no shortcut to forming a genuine relationship. It can take uh, some time. So I was leveraging influencers and a real practical tip for that. One of the things I did in that book, it was called 50 Fitness Tips You Wish You Knew. I've done it with a couple other books is I had some bonus content in the back of the book let's just uh, say uh, a blogger, a friend of mine, JC Dean, who's also a personal trainer. I'm like, dude, I love your stuff. Like I'm already talking about your, your work. I mentioned you in the book. I love to feature you as like a sort of a guest blog post, only a guest chapter in the back of the book. And you know what? I'll just, I can even take something else that you've already written and use it. So it's not even any extra work on his part. So he agrees. It's kind of a no brainer because he's going to get more exposure and potentially more fans who are reading the book, I get some extra content for the book. And now he's actually naturally incentivized to want to share the book because he's been featured in the book. Okay. So I'm thinking part of that was learning about relationships and just the mindset of how do I create these 
win, win, win situations. It's a win for me. It's a win for the influencer. It's a win for the readers. And I did that with a, a number of different people. So some of them shared to their email list, some of them tweeted about it. And the idea is I'm thinking, how can I get these relationships and, and what, how can I give value, right? So if I were to look at some of the mistakes uh, or the common mistake that some people make is they go in and they go, okay, you're a famous influencer. Hey, I got this new book coming out. Will you, will you share it with your audience? Hey, will you tell people about this? It's like, what's in it for them, right? What's the benefit? And it's just a, a self-serving ask. Whereas it's, it's framed as in, hey, there's this book that your readers might benefit from. Hey, I mentioned you in this book, right? So you've already provided some value and going in without an expectation that they're going to do anything in return. And uh, even more tactical tip for that is I had a, a blogger, Amy, who I had never connected with her before, but I sent her a personal video. So one to two minute video. Hey, Amy, love your stuff. And you know, I found your blog. Here's what I love about what you're doing. I gave some specific examples of things that I really appreciated about what she's doing. And you know, I have a, a new book coming out. I mentioned you in it. I think more people would benefit from learning about you. And then I, I think she might've had a bonus chapter. Either way though, I remember she said, that's such a rock star approach the way I did that video. Funny enough, I don't know if she knew I played music, but that's what she called it. And that's something that I've done over the years where I will record personal videos, minute or two, and introduce myself to people that I want to connect with. That's how I've gotten people to help promote the book, how I've gotten affiliates, how I've gotten on podcast. And it's so simple, and yet I don't think most people would do it. I'm pretty sure, Derek, that I've actually received one of those videos from you personally. And I also just have to reiterate, I mean, leveraging influencers is the most important thing that I have done to build my business to the point where I went from literally being bankrupt for closing on my home on the verge of homelessness. <laughs> like I didn't know where I was going to live, nor did I have the money to get my family into a house. I had leveraged the relationships that I had been building some for a decade plus, And I managed to make, you know, six figures by getting 20 influencers to, you know, participate in something I was doing and share it with their audience. And I got myself and my family back on our feet because I leveraged influencers and some of those relationships, like I said, have been building for a decade. So for all of you listening, I completely want to make sure that you are just getting how important this is. And even if your book isn't going to be out for a year or two years, there's no time like right now to start developing those relationships. So when you are getting close to that launch date and you'd like to be able to ask some influencers to share your book with their audiences on social media or have you on their podcast around your book launch, have them share an email with their community, whatever it is, like there's no time like right now to get started in building those relationships because they, they are truly, I think the most impactful asset that you can have as an author. So Anyway, can I ask you, Derek, what is like the most important thing that you would recommend to someone like any of our listeners right now who are first time authors? What's the most important thing you want them to know now? Well, if I have to only give one tip, because I don't know where each individual is at, the most important thing is get some, get some help, get some guidance, you know, seek out a mentor. Mm. And I know you got great programs, uh, Christine, you know, find, you know, find someone you resonate with and learn, learn from someone who's already found a, a map of how to get to where you want to go. Someone who's already blazed a trail. Now that doesn't mean you, you don't have to 
add your own distinctions to it and make it your own to a degree. You know, there's certain things that no matter how much I can give a step-by-step plan, there's certain things where it's like, okay, now you got to be a little creative as the author. Now you got to come up with your own solutions or, or way. But I would say that because if, if I give any other like, well, here's the most important thing. Like for instance, I could say book titles, especially for nonfiction books are one of the most important things that you need. Like it'll make or break. If you don't get a person's attention, then it's, it's just, it's a disproportionately impactful thing where sometimes it's an afterthought. But if you think about it, if the book title and the book cover don't resonate or grab a person's attention, all the other work that was done, it goes to wait that they won't look at the description, all the work that went into the book, all the time and money, it, it actually goes to waste to a large degree. So you have these certain points that are disproportionately impactful. So, I mean, I could give things like that, like the book title and cover is really important. But at the same time, I go, you know, to only to know what the most important thing for you listening to this is, that's going to take some sort of outside feedback and someone who knows can understand you can understand your goals can understand your intentions and guide you because this comes back to another concept that i talk about in personal development and that is good advice for one person could be terrible advice for someone else in a different situation yes 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 so true and and i love what you said about universally across the board no matter where someone's at no matter what the nuances of their unique situation like, don't try to figure it out on your own. I mean, I, I was just earlier today, at least earlier from when we recorded this, uh, this episode, I was on a group coaching call with my clients and get your book done. And one of the gentlemen on the call, he literally sat for 21 years with his book idea, but not quite knowing how to do it. We started working together and he was just celebrating today, like, you know, a year later, you know, I thought it would take me another decade and here it is. Like his book is just about coming through the pipeline. It's about ready to get proofed and, you know, posted up onto Amazon. And he's like, had I not gotten help, you know, whether it's from me or from Derek or anyone else that is a right fit for you, had he not gotten help, it literally could have been another 10. I hope not to think it would have been another 21 years but he can't believe the difference it made when he found the right help for him and followed it. So I'm so glad you mentioned that, Derek, because I, I don't know about you, but I really, like my heart breaks every time I see an author like struggling on their own to figure it out. It's like, it doesn't have to be like that. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll say this, like, because I tend to think about things a lot and uh, I can have a, tendency to overanalyze, overthink, and also want to very lone wolf mentality, like how I can figure this out, I can put the pieces together. But A, I found if the answers were in my head or if the answers were already in your head, you probably would have figured it out already. But if 21 years has gone by and you haven't figured out the answer, that's probably a sign someone else outside of you can help. Like I'm not going to sit here. uh, I'm a big believer in meditation and your intuition can guide you. At the same time, your intuition, if I go, if I want to learn how to speak Japanese, I'm not going to figure it out by thinking about it. I need to go seek out a source. So my intuition might guide me and say, go talk to this person, go pick up this book, go check out this course. But it's not just going to suddenly give me the whole entire roadmap. Maybe it will in some people's cases. But in that case, sometimes it's about giving you a direction to go in. And we could go really deep on this. I'll just briefly say, like, I found that I, that's why I have coaches and mentors and they, they have their gifts. And if you want people to appreciate your gifts, that means they need to be willing to get help from you. And then 
is that flow or that circuit connected? Meaning, are you willing to get help from other people or other resources when you need help? I believe there's got to be that balance there. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I mean, mentors have saved my life. Actually, this podcast is something that I have thought about for 10 years. If you look at me, look me up on iTunes, you'll see one episode that I did in 2009 for a podcast that I was going to start with. That was it. And then I, you know, got a mentor, decided I was doing this. And when 60 days, pretty much of making the decision and getting help, it's like, boom, here, you know, here, where we are. We launched the podcast back on December 16th of 2019. And it's like, oh my gosh, a decade. And then getting the right help for what it is that I wanted to do with this podcast. I mean, 60 days later, we were up and running. So yes, get help, get help, get help. So now I want to talk about, you know, one of the things we want to make sure we cover today, this creative ways to make money with your book, because I think sometimes the way that people don't make money with their book is just by making some mistakes that they don't even know are mistakes. So would you share some of those mistakes that you see authors making that keep them from, you know, generating a decent income from their book? Because I think you, you don't know it's a mistake if you don't even know that it's something to be doing in the first place, or at least to be considering in the first place. Yeah. So I'll start with, I'm going to put this into two categories of how you make money with your book of which there's, you know, infinite sub categories, but basically you have the money that you make from the book itself. And then you have the money that you make indirectly from the things that the book leads to, whether that's people then buying courses or coaching or your services, or the book helps you get on media and gets you attention, positions you as an authority, whatever it is, right? So if I were to just simplify it down into the the book itself making you money and then what the book leads to. So if we look at the mistakes, then let's start with the mistakes of the book itself. Because obviously if the book isn't selling or people aren't getting it, then the book's not necessarily going to lead to as, as many other things. So one of the mistakes I mentioned was the the title, title and cover. And that might be redundant for some people who it's not your first rodeo. You studied a lot about self-publishing, but I, I'll still emphasize this because I work with pretty experienced authors. And sometimes I see a cover that looks good and it's professionally designed, but I go, I can't tell what genre that is. Like, or it looks like a, it's a memoir, but it looks like a fictional ghost story or something like, and so uh, that's one of the things to also be considerate of is, does it really elicit the emotions that you want? Then there's all the things to do with marketing the book of some of the things I mentioned, you know, so failing to leverage influencers. And I think that's one of the big things where there's very little that you can do. And I want to say there's very little, there's only so much you can do by yourself. So it's not just what can I do? It's who can help me? So not asking that question, who can help me? Who's already built up my ideal audience? Derek, I want to add just one quick thing here before you take it to the next level. And that is, I find that one of the mistakes that authors make a lot in this area, specifically around the leveraged influencers and building those relationships, is that they have this fear of asking. And the mistake they make is not like being so scared that someone's going to be like, no, sorry, I can't help you, that they just don't ask in the first place. When more often than not, if you ask, someone is going to say yes, like they're willing to support you in some way. So don't make the mistake of letting your concern over, you know, being rejected stop you from even being open to making the request, you know, making that ask and being open to receiving the help that, you know, some of those people that you ask will be more than happy to give you. So please don't make that mistake because I have seen that happen too many times. 
I'm so glad you brought that up because it comes down to mindset. And a lot of what I teach is mindset and personal development. I actually have a bias. I'm very much like practical, like here, just do these steps, reach out to this person. Here's the, the way you do it, blah, blah, blah. I like to get this very into the nitty gritty. And yet what I notice is exactly what you have seen, Christine, is there's these inner fears. I'm worried about asking people and that can sabotage a person or influence the way that they, they go about doing it. So there's a shift that's, that can take place where you go, my book is helping people. My book is serving people. Even if it's just a, I mean, nonfiction, that can be obvious, but even fiction books can provide entertainment and lessons and all kinds of benefits to people. So the whole thing is when I'm reaching out to an influencer, I'm going in with the mentality of how is this going to help them? How is this going to help their audience? And therefore, it's not a weird thing for me to be asking them because I'm not just coming from a place of, hey, will you do this thing for me? It's, hey, I've created something that's going to benefit you and the people that you, that you want to help. So I'm like, I have this gift for them. Look, if you don't want the gift, that's fine. But I'm not, like, I'm not shy about being like, hey, do you want this, this gift? And I'll give a, a real quick metaphor that I think will help with this. If you imagine you're a server at a, at a party, and you're like a cocktail server, and you're going in the party and you got a plate in your hand and you're going up to people and you see a group and you go, Hey, would you like some, some food? And they look at you and they go, no, no, thanks. We're not hungry. And you go up to someone else and Hey, would you like some food? They go, no, thanks. Now, are you offended or upset? Or are you just like, Oh, these aren't the people who are interested in what I have to offer. And then imagine you go up to someone, you see their, their eyes get really big. They light up, they get a huge smile on their face and they go, thank you so much. I was so hungry. I, I have low blood sugar. I was going to have to leave the party. I was so upset. I was going to have to miss out. But thankfully, you came along and offered this to me. And that's what it is. You are in service as, as an author, as an entrepreneur, and you have gifts for people. And it's just asking, hey, do you want this? Right? And they can say yes or no, but it's not rejecting you. It's just not a fit. Or you haven't positioned it in a way where they see the benefit that's in it for them. We could do a whole nother podcast on this idea of, I don't want to be annoying. <laughs> I don't want to annoy people. I don't want to be obnoxious. That it kind of comes back to this idea of you probably won't be as long as you go into it with that right mentality and you approach it from a, how do I create, uh, as cliche as it is, how do I create value for people in a way that they'll be excited, even if they're not interested I can't help but think about you know a big book that probably many of our listeners know. I'm sure you probably know, but the four great agreements with Don Miguel Ruiz. One of the agreements is, don't take it personally, right? <laughs> like it's not it's not personal. So, ask, ask, ask away because that is how you're going to get to you know where you want to be. So now that we've covered some of the mistakes, um, would you be willing to share, maybe even just in bullet list form, what some of the creative ways are that you've found to generate income from a book that might be helpful for our listeners? Yeah. And in case anyone's listening to this and they're going, oh, we're just now getting to the creative ways to make money. Well, we've been talking about it the whole time, actually, if you listen and, and get some of the deeper lessons, because the way I've made most of my money has been relationships with influencers. Okay. So approach it from the standpoint of using your book as a vehicle to generate relationships, using your book as a way to get connected with influencers and, and get on podcasts. Now, if I'm going to get a little more tactical, then what I would say is, first of all, inside your book, the, the main core thing of why I wrote a book in the first place was to build my email list. And that is one of the more important things where you could even give away your book for free, but as long as you're building your email list, that is actually your greatest asset. I found that offering a course or saying I have coaching or saying I have some other stuff in the book 
I'll cover that in a moment. That is important. However, not a lot of people are necessarily just going to go straight from your book to signing up for a course. They might intend to, but unless you have that ongoing relationship where they become part of your tribe, part of your community, and are in touch with you on a regular basis, most people are not going to buy something just from from the book. You need to build that relationship. So it's kind of a mistake, but it's also, it's not just enough to say, have something in your book that people sign up for your email list. It's putting, again, like a disproportionate amount of thought and energy into finding what can I offer in my book that people are really going to want. Okay. Now that could be, again, another whole topic, but I'll say checklist, cheat sheets, action guides, workbooks, audiobooks, bonuses, video courses. There's a number of things depending on what you're doing, other free books or things like that inside your book that people sign up for your email list and you really sell that, so to speak. I mean, it's free, but you're really selling them on the benefits of downloading that. So one of the mistakes I see is they kind of have, it's kind of a a link in there as an afterthought or, hey, join our newsletter. Here's the link. And most people are going to skip past that. Can I just share what my favorite of those is? Because one of the things I do with pretty much almost every book that I have published personally is the action guide slash workbook. Like if you buy a copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant on page one, it's telling you to go get the workbook. If you buy the freedom formula, like on page three, it's telling you to go get the workbook because it goes hand in hand with the book. And I can't tell you how many people actually go get the workbook and then they're on my list and then they're in my world. And then, you know, some of them have turned into you know, clients that have generated tens of thousands of dollars because I had a complimentary free downloadable workbook that went hand in hand with the very book that they had interest and interested and bought. So I'm just saying that's my personal favorite out of that list, but there's a lot of great ideas you shared there, Derek. Thank you. Yeah. And I want to make something clear in case anyone has studied a bit about, you know, author marketing and and you've studied a lot of this stuff. Some of these things, they might not be new ideas. What I noticed the, the challenge is there's actually too many ideas. There's so many things I could do with my book. There's so many things that I could offer. What I find is actually most productive is going 80-20. What's the 20% that gets 80% of results? And the key thing is focusing. It's like you have one core mission, build your email list. So your whole mindset is how do I get people to get the book so it builds my email list? Because And then I guess your focus shifts. How Now how do I build the relationship? And then how do I offer courses? coaching programs, workshops, affiliate offers, and a number of other things that you can do to build an income on the back end. Now, I'm a coach, so that works for me. I'm a consultant. It's another thing. There's book sales. There's speaking, right? So I'm I'm rattling off a a few bullet points here of different things, but the key thing is going, what is going to be my main focus to make money? And it's really going to come down to your email list is how you're going to build that engagement with them. So keep that as your core focus. And the other thing I'll say in terms of creative ways to make money, it's again, it's coming back upstream from a lot of times people are going, well, I'm not selling my course. I got a book and I got people on my email list, but I put this course together and I'm not selling it. Well, first of all, there's what you did inside the book, which is, did you position yourself as an expert? Did you seed the success stories of clients or people that you've worked with? Right? So these are the it's the persuasion. If you study Cialdini, it's the pre-framing of your expertise that that's actually important. A big reason why for a book is 
you're positioning yourself as the expert or as the authority uh, if we're talking nonfiction. And that's key to have. So before they even see the offer, they're already going, you know, I'm, I'd like to work with this person. I wonder what else they have. I want to go deeper on that. And that's the feeling that you want to generate. So then when you do make an offer, people are already somewhat pre-sold on it. Then the second part is, you know, creative ways to make money. Well, you know, offering courses that might not be a new idea for someone the challenge is really, if I could give one other skill to develop is the skill of influence. It's a, you know, in specifically you can say copywriting, the ability to write words that sell, or if you can speak on video, knowing how to sell your stuff, right? So how to build relationships, how to sell your stuff. When I learned those skills, then I go, I can almost do anything and it worked. I could sell an affiliate product. I can put together my own product. I literally sell things that I haven't even created yet. I just go, to my email list, maybe shoot a video and say, hey, so here's this new thing I want to uh, put together. Here's what you're going to get, blah, 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 blah. Let me know if you're, you're interested. They sign up for it. They pay me. Now they've paid me for it and then I go create it. All right. So selling your stuff in advance, all of these things become possible when you built up that tribe. I feel like you just rattled some of our listeners' brains. They're like, wait, 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 wait. Did you say you sold it before you created it and then you created it after you sold it? Like you just... So yeah, that is what he's talking about here. So for those of you that just felt that little like brain rattle, absolutely. The very first time I sold my Get Your Book Done program back in 2007 for $10,500, I sold it. Literally, I sold it to five people before I had any idea how to help someone write their own book. I'd only help people write chapters, but I sold it and then I figured it out. And here we are like 12 years later, 13 years later, still teaching people, still running a course called Get Your Book Done. So yes, you actually can sell something before you create it. I just didn't want anyone who was like, did I get that right? Yeah, you got that right. So awesome. And I'm just going to say too, that one of the creative ways that I had one of my clients, Sue, who wrote a book called Leadership by Choice, one of the ways that she creatively made money with that book is once she was published, she felt so confident, more confident in the great work that she had already been doing. But she started going for higher level clients. She bumped her consulting rate up to five figures a day. Like just all the stuff happened that was sort of indirectly related, but very much a result of the fact that she was now a very confident published author. Like that to her was a feather in her cap. Like I can boost my rates and I can go for bigger clients. And man, she has. And it's been amazing to just watch her success. I should have her on the show. I'll get her on the show here soon so you can hear her talk about it herself. But um, those are some great ideas. I want to thank you so much, Derek. Anything else you want to say to everyone before we wrap up? Just final words of wisdom or you know, major takeaway you want them to have before we say goodbye for today? Yeah, a, a couple things. I mean, first of all, I'm glad you mentioned that. If anyone's going, well, okay, Derek, these are uh, these are good ways to make money, but I'm really attached to this creative. It's got to be out of the box, out of the ordinary. So I'll share a couple things that maybe some haven't considered as much. Dave Chilton, Dave and Scott uh, Chilton, they talk about this and they turn me on to, uh, there's a lot of companies that'll buy books in bulk corporations, different people like that. So that's one thing that you can consider. Can I uh, sell my uh, book in bulk? Uh, do you have like dentist office that buys children's books, right? I mean, like there's the, so think about who is already in front of your, your audience and that you can connect to. I can, I consider that influencer marketing, but if you haven't thought about that, then that could be companies, that could be corporations, that could be events that want to buy your book in bulk. So that's one, maybe a little bit less ordinary, a more creative way of, of approaching it. They can totally do it. My, my husband did that. He sold 2,500 copies of his book to just, like that was one sale, but it was 2,500 copies of his book. 
So yeah, you can do that for sure. Yeah. So think about like who would buy my book in, in mass and then also, yeah, positioning yourself for doing like corporate consulting is something that, you know, I'm getting more into that space. So like where you might have people that would benefit from your expertise, but that it's not as, as crowded. So I would say like that and even thinking locally, right? Thinking we've gotten so into the online world, go who locally could benefit from what I have to offer. And it's, it's hard to give you know, one size fits all advice because every author is going to be in a different position. But I would say start looking in that direction for more creative ways. And then also sign up to a lot of different like authors and marketers and kind of study what different people do outside of your industry even because that'll give you creative ideas where you go, uh, that's how a lot of innovations come about is they're studying outside of a particular space or industry and then taking something from another industry and connecting it to your own industry. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I feel like we could talk for several more hours on this topic of creative ways to make money with your book. So we'll have to have you back another time, maybe later in the year to chat a little bit more on this topic because I feel like people were like, oh yeah, this is good stuff and stuff you need to know. And for some of you, it might be repeat, but a good, really good reminder. And for others, I know you heard some concepts today for the first time. You're like, man, I had no idea that that's how that's done. Or I had no idea that I could even do that or that that was possible. So I want to thank you so much, Derek. And I want to encourage everyone to go to today's show notes and be sure to go check out the link for Derek's resource. He's got a ton of free resources and ebook for you called Why Authors Fail. He's got, you know, articles and everything that he wants to share with you is available. Just go, like I said, over to the show notes and you can click there to get connected with Derek and learn more from him. So I want to thank you all for being here and thank you again, Derek. And here's to you all going out and finding creative ways to make more money with your book. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Get Your Book Done. Be sure to check out the show notes for links to everything we talked about today. And if you want my help with your book, head over to christinecloser.com to learn more and get a free copy of my book, The Transformation Quadrant, which will show you how to blueprint your book in 15 minutes or less. The Get Your Book Done podcast is where the leading conversation is happening for transformational authors everywhere. And I'm grateful you tuned in.